This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the Bee Podcast Network, where I help pediatric therapists and educators become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. With over 15 years of experience supporting school-age kids with diverse learning needs, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians, teachers, and aspiring school leaders feel more confident in the way they serve their students and clients. I'll cover a range of topics designed to help you support students' emotional and academic growth and set kids up for success in adulthood, including how to support language, literacy, executive functioning, as well as how to help IEP teams working together to support kids across the day. Whether you want to learn more effective strategies for your therapy sessions or classroom, be a more influential leader on your team, or find creative ways to use your skills to advance in your career, I've got you covered. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 146 of the DeFacto Leaders podcast on the Be Podcast Network. In this conversation, certified financial planner Ben Hakima and I discuss how to create a solid financial plan in your career so you can focus your time and energy on the impact you can make. This is the second part of a two-part conversation. In the first part, which was episode 145, we talked about how we can help kids to develop financial literacy, which is extremely important, especially as we think about helping kids build executive functioning skills. So be sure to check out the first part of this conversation in episode 145. Also, Ben shares a little bit about his background in that conversation because this is the second part that is not included in this episode that you're about to listen to. 
So definitely go back. It's a great episode in helping kids to understand those quantitative concepts as well as how the adults in their lives can help them to have experiences that help them to build those skills and really develop that solid financial foundation. So in this conversation, we discuss all kinds of possibilities for helping you to create a career and a life that you enjoy. Whether you want to stay in your current position as a therapist or a teacher, or whether you want to add an additional income stream, or whether you know for certain you want to start a business full time. We even talk about ways to explore opportunities. If you have a lot of ideas in your head for projects you might want to do the next stage of your career, but you aren't sure which direction is best for you, and you're feeling overwhelmed with the financial planning aspect. I invited Ben to come on and talk about this topic because he's a certified financial planner and the founder and advisor of Illuminate Wealth Management. He works with individuals, families, and small business owners on their full financial picture, everything from cash flow and paying for education to saving and investing for big goals such as retirement to individual and small business tax planning. So his clients can gain clarity and develop a path that is unique to their own goals, hopes, and dreams. In this conversation, we discuss exactly how much should be in your emergency fund and how do you plan for this based on the plans you have in your career or your life? How much should you save before quitting your job and focusing on your business full time if that's something that you want to do? How can we understand the difference between debt, investments, and ongoing expenses, whether it applies to our business or our life? Ben shares resources for creatives who love helping people but are uncomfortable navigating financial planning. And then we talk about stability, freedom, and impact, and how we can find the balance between all three. If you enjoy this topic, be sure to check out the Bee Podcast Network for educators and aspiring leaders. If you're looking for shows that will help you to inspire you to level up in your career or more effectively serve students and clients, we've got you covered. There's all kinds of shows in the network from school leadership to entrepreneurship, ed tech, and we've also got some shows that are in the parenting category. And of course, the De Facto Leaders podcast is part of the Bee Podcast Network as well. Learn more about the Bee Podcast Network at beepodcastnetwork.com. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Ben Hakima. I think this is a good place to sort of switch over to the I know you talk about the the stages of you have you have different stages. I have different stages. Yes. Let's let's talk about the stages. And this is for adults. It could apply to you if you are staying in your current job and you just want to be in a better situation, or if you're thinking about doing a side hustle or maybe starting a business and doing that full time. Mm-hmm. Things that you want to think about. So I guess. So let's I, start I, there. I, yeah, we'll go we'll go to the six stages of financial independence, and I think it's it's very helpful to kind of have a framework of just knowing where you are and what you're going towards. Yeah. Um, w- one important piece in this, this will help us transition, but it also re- actually relates to something you could tell the kids. And we're going to talk about saving um, 
I think it's important to understand as an adult or as a uh, as a kid, um, spending and, and spending, saving, and debt. Debt is spending money you haven't earned yet. Mm-hmm. Spending is spending current money. Saving is saving your income today to spend it later. Nobody that I know has a plan to have the most amount of money they've ever had in their life on the day that they die. The plan, the reason to save is you intend to spend it at some point. And so that's an important piece because as we talk about financial independence, it's not that you're not spending, it's just you're not spending yet. Mm. And I think that's freeing to people to say, great, I will save some money towards um, towards future spending rather than saving, right? And so the six stages of financial independence are all kind of key milestones. Um, and it's it's less about the spreadsheet and more about what this means for your life, if you can hit that. And so yeah. the first one is just having an emergency fund, having, even if it's $1,000, money that if something goes wrong, uh, you aren't going to go into credit card debt. And mm-hmm. for every person, that's a little bit different. Um I recommend six months of spending in the emergency fund, bare minimum three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, especially if you have a dual income household, having three months of what you would need to spend, your fixed expenses that we talked about, uh, three months saved. That's great. It doesn't have to earn much. Uh, don't have to invest that in the stock market. Just put it in a savings account. You'll, you'll be good. So that's the first stage. That allows you to feel better when that, you know, maintenance for your car comes up yeah you've got that covered uh the second stage is having one year of expenses so that's just you know building up this emergency fund that allows you to survive without a big problem if you lost your job or mm-hmm. if you want to go start a new start your own thing you don't need to make any income for a year that's great uh if you've got a year of expenses saved um part three is related to that which is that you can quit your job if you want to change correction directions in your career, if you want to start the business, um, have enough money to have the realistic leeway. So I started my business and it took, I mean, I earned money the first year, but it took until about year three to pay for all my expenses uh, for my family. And that meant that we had to have more savings in, in hand to be able to do that. And so the, the quit the job number, uh, for a lot of people, is a lot bigger than one year because if you're going to start a business or, or something else, it's going to take longer uh, to get back to where you were. Uh, number four is something that's been popularized. Um, Mr. Money Mustache is one of the first ones called yep. the fire fire movement, and I would I would call that really the lean fire. So lean fire movement is saying if we cut expenses down to the bare minimum, could we afford to never make another dollar again? Yeah. So that's kind of stage four. I think that's a great number to hit at some point, but most people that I talk to don't want to stop there. They don't want to sell their cars and only ride bikes everywhere. And they don't want to never travel again Mm -hmm. and, you know, eat on the ramen diet. Most people don't want to do that, (laughs) but that's a good number to hit because, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Uh, It's a milestone. It's a good milestone. Yeah. Most people go to stage five and that's where they stop. So stage five is what I'll call traditional financial independence. And that is people that say, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to work again and have a similar lifestyle to what I had while I was working. Mm-hmm. That's most financial planners. That's where the numbers are going to go to. I remember commercial, you know, 
10, probably 10 years ago at this point where people are walking around with a number over their head of this is the number I need to hit to, yeah. to retire. That's traditional financial independence. That's huge. That's great. That's where everyone wants to get to. Number six, the sixth stage is what I, I really like to help people get to, which is what I call true financial freedom, where you have enough money to think about how can I use this, not just for me, but to impact a lot of other people. And I think you've got a lot of people in your audience who are living that out today and they're kind of doing that today, but it really is having the money. So you're not worried about the money aspect of it, but you're still able to pursue all those things that you want to do. And so for instance, I've got a client who uh, is retired and was a leader in his business for a long time. And so now he is spending time. He retired early, but he's spending time talking to young entrepreneurs about their business and being a mentor to them, not to make money, but because that's something he really wants to do. And he's really good at, and he's got skills on that, but he doesn't need to make money on it. He retired early because he saved enough, uh, but that's true financial freedom to really pursue. What, what are you here for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that one will resonate with a lot of people. And I think sometimes people do want to know if they can at least get to some version of that. I mean, maybe they don't want to wait until retirement. They do right. want to um, start a business. But and so I think, like you said, with the one year emergency fund, that can make it possible to do that now. And then, as you said, it does take a couple of years, but you can get there to where you are making money. And then you can also do see, you know, and I know sometimes people will will do it in layers, like they'll build one thing. I know. And this is, I have, I have yet to figure out how to do this where you're like, okay, I have this business and I sold it and now I'm going to do this other thing. And there's a few people who I know that have done that. And I don't know, they, they know something that I don't know because that's not where I'm, I'm at, but, um, but yeah. So when you're thinking about, um, so kind of in those first couple stages, I think there are a lot of people that are there where they they do want to, they're kind of in the prime of their career. They maybe want to start a private practice. They want to do some other kind of work. Um, maybe it's more of a side hustle. A lot of things that I've seen people do is that they will, um, so private practice is a big one. Um, they'll maybe make products. Um, there's a lot of people who do teachers pay teachers. I don't do teachers pay teachers, but I do products just you know on my own um, website And then also they'll do professional development. So that could include things like speaking engagements or online courses. And and that is something that is kind of easy to do as like a a side hustle or another, you know, not one income stream within the whole, uh, you know, all of the things that you have going on. And so a lot of those things that I just mentioned, like in my situation, I didn't do, I dabbled in private practice, but then I ended up doing more of the online courses. So I didn't need to have an office space. So that significantly decreased my overhead. But if somebody wants to open a clinic and do a private practice, then they do have to think about those things. So that means that their overhead is going to be substantially higher. So in addition to that one-year emergency fund, how do you think about taking out loans and and those types of things when you have some kind of a structured business plan Mm -hmm. And you are going to have overhead and you do need to have some kind of a, you know, some startup costs. Right. So I I work with a lot of people that are either on the creative side or, um, you know, the service side where they are passionate about what they're doing there. And 
they want to be the best that they can, the best therapist that they can. My sister um, is a therapist and has private practice now. Um, and we spent a lot of time just kind of talking through as she launched mm-hmm. her, her business. Um, what I found is there's a lot of people that want to start a business because they want the freedom that's around it. They want the control. They mm-hmm. want to do it their yeah. way, mm-hmm. but they don't understand the numbers side. Yeah. And so the very key part that you said there was that you have a business plan. So you don't need to go and do a Harvard business plan, you know, use a template from them, but having an idea of what those costs actually look like, I think is, is really, really important um, to understand that there are, there is overhead. There are some things I have to pay for. Understand, as you said before, the, you know, self-employment tax, that's a mm-hmm. big number that, if you're going to start a business before you go and and leave the job that you're in, make sure you understand what that actually means. You don't have to be an expert. You can lean on uh, advisors and experts to help you with that. But that's going to be very important. So that one year is really about understanding your personal finances. But mm-hmm. the business finances are different. <laughs> and yeah. uh, there are different rules and different things you need to do. Going back to, you know, should you take on on debt? The only way you should take on debt to start a business is if you have a plan to get enough income to pay that debt off and support your family the way that that you want to. Um, Mm -hmm. If there isn't a path to pay that debt off at a reasonable amount of time, you're just not quite ready. You probably need to work a little bit longer and save more so you can afford to not take on as much debt if it's going to take longer to build up the income up. Those are the sort of questions or, or mm-hmm. conversations that really should be had before launching a business. Yeah, uh, Especially since COVID, I've seen a lot of people say, well, it's easy to make an online course. Um, it's not that easy. <laughs> it sounds it's easy, easy to make it. It's not always easy to sell it and there get, you go. Yes. get it to it's, be. <laughs> it's hard to make a business out of an online course. Yeah. Um, that actually will produce the income that you need it to. Mm-hmm. And so having enough, um, you know, if you're more entrepreneurial, I think a lot of people said to be too optimistic. I'm in that boat too. Um, I'm definitely an entrepreneur, but more optimistic. And so build in some leeway. If you think it's going to take a year to get your income where it needs to, plan for two. Make sure the numbers work if it takes two years instead of one. Uh, yeah. Those are the sort of things of just building enough margin of safety um, so that you don't have to quit early and and you're able to build it from there. Yeah. I So I'm curious about if there's ways that you can do sort of, I like to refer to them as micro experiments where it can be an experiment to see, do you like this thing? Because sometimes it's, you know, you have this vision and if you've never done it before, what if you do it and you don't like it? And then now you're, you know, you're, you're committed. Um, and that's honestly, like I did do, did see some private clients on the side and decided this is great, but like, I really would rather go a different direction. And I was kind of glad that I didn't, you know, take out a loan and rent out an office space. I was glad that I experimented with it. So have you seen people do kind of mini experiments to number one, maybe have an income stream to help them get to that point where they can go full-time faster and just to kind of figure out what they want to do. I, the people that have been most successful in my mind that I'm just thinking of are the ones that tried something on the side outside of normal business hours, you know, Mm -hmm. built something up, fit it into their schedule just to make sure it worked before mm-hmm. they go and and take the leap 
yeah. because it's a pretty big deal to, you know, lose all, you know, you're in charge of all your benefits and you have to decide on, am I going to have an office space? And there's a lot of expenses that you're never going to get back. If you change your mind three months in that it's not working out. Um, Benefits and pension too. That is a big one, especially because absolutely. a lot of people, you know, if you work for the school systems or for a government agency, you don't realize how much you're actually, oh, yeah. how, how valuable that is. That's one thing that I wish that I would have known more about. I did ask questions about it, but I really, I didn't fully understand the value of that and how much that was worth. And then <laughs> go and now, and then you're responsible for your retirement and, you know, like that's, that's a big shift thing that people need to think about. Well, and if you, if you don't have to quit and go all in all at once, you know, you can still be, you know, putting money towards the pension and yeah, you you won't get the full benefits, but you still get the years and you still get the money that's in. And um, that's helpful. If you're able to do something on the side for two, three years, that's helping your long-term plan, even if you don't realize it in the moment. So those that have, you know, it's, it's got to fit in your family and it's got to fit in uh, your, you know, your ambitions and everything else. But if you can do something on the side to try it out, I think that's very valuable. Um, I'll give you a quick example for myself. So, you know, I launched and, and I had this plan. I knew some people that had left uh, more established firms and they were a solo practice and they, they never had an any staff. And that was my plan. I said, Oh, you know, look at the numbers on the spreadsheet. It looks great. If I never have to pay for an employee and all this stuff. And then I got into it and very quickly, all of my weaknesses came to a head of all the things I was really bad at. And I said, I really want somebody I'm, I'm, I really want somebody to celebrate wins with and go through Mm -hmm. in building this business with. And I also want somebody who's really good at the things I'm not good at, because that's just going to make me happier, less stressed, better balance and do better for my clients because now I'm able to have somebody else do it really well. And so I had this plan. Now I went all in um, and, and jumped into it, but uh, I was able to pivot and bring in, and now I've got uh, additional people who work for me, but if you're not in a situation that you can pivot from there, it'd be really nice to learn all those things first <laughs> before, yeah. uh, before jumping in. Yeah. Oh man. And I, you know, I think that there is, it is very much sold in the entrepreneur space of this, you know, leap in the net will appear or, um, you know, start this business so you can have freedom. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of some other things. Just the idea of stay in your zone of genius, which you kind of talked about that, but you didn't do it haphazardly. And you didn't really, like, I think that when people are like, what's your zone of genius? I don't even know how to answer that question. I mean, or like, maybe I don't know how to answer that question in a specific context. And you almost have to kind of move forward and figure out what, like, you have to kind of do the thing and realize where am I strong? Where am I struggling? Or even what needs to be done. Because I think sometimes, like you mentioned, where it's like you've got daily operations, you've got HR stuff. And I know that that's something for, you know, the therapists where they don't have an operations management background or you like hiring processes and all the all the things that you'd have to think about for, um, you know, a brick and mortar business, for example. And I think sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And so all of that's great advice. It sounds nice on paper, but it's, um, 
I don't know. I mean, you, I think I think people underestimate how much work it actually is. I wanted to take a quick break to talk about the School of Clinical Leadership. Now, typically when I talk about the School of Clinical Leadership, I share how it helps service providers build programming that supports executive functioning, but it's actually much more than that. Originally, it was supposed to be about leadership and career development, and actually it still is. There are a ton of trainings in there that help you to get a handle on your productivity so you can plan for long-term projects and initiatives. The specific initiatives that I focus on in the School of Clinical Leadership are related to supporting students' executive functioning. But as you may already know, putting that kind of support in place requires a lot of planning and strategic thinking. And a lot of those things can not only help you put the right supports in place for your students, but also help you think bigger about your career. Many people realize that once they learn how to put the supports in place that are really helping their students generalize, they start training other people on their teams, and they really start to emerge as a leader, they discover other possibilities for their career, whether it be redefining the role that they have in their current position, or whether it means thinking about a leadership role, or maybe even starting a business. So a lot of the things that I show you how to do in the School of Clinical Leadership relating to consultation, leadership, and planning can really be a part of the next stage of your career. So to learn more about the program, you can go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. So, okay, I have a couple more questions that are very specific things that come up. So obviously there is like a checklist of things that you would want people to have if they were going to work with you and think about a business plan. So, you know, we've mentioned some specific, we've talked about um, taxes are different. You need to think about your, um, you need to think about your insurance, um, your health insurance, your, your retirement, um, all, all of those types of things and your overhead. And so you, you got to have a plan and there's, there's a long list of things that would come up in that plan. But when you're thinking about what is a good investment in my business, um, that in, at different stages, things that come up for, for my people would be, um, additional degrees and certifications, um, employees, um, you know, when do I hire somebody who's going to do something that I'm not good at, that I don't know how to do, or that's going to bring in more revenue, um, coaching and consulting. That's a big one. Advertising, like how do you help people work through what is a good investment? I mean, I know that's been a big challenge for me because I, I look back and I'm like, wow, that, you know, I feel like I definitely did not get my ROI on that. And mm -hmm. I know that sometimes you're just, sometimes that's just going to happen. You're going to make mistakes right. and you're going to invest in things and you're not going to get, you know, a good return on it. But how do you help people make decisions and think about that when it's, you know, this is an investment because everybody mm -hmm. who's trying to sell you something is going to be like, this is an investment in your future, you know? That's right. Like, that's right. How do you, how do you sift through all of that? That's a big question. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I asked you about 10 questions and you, you did. That's okay. That's okay. So uh, I, I think as a business owner, I would start with the, the understanding of the difference between an expense and an investment. 
So uh-huh. an expense is something that is not going to produce a positive return. You're not going to get more clients or or you're not going to get, um, yeah, it's not going to increase the revenue of your business. That's an expense. That doesn't mean you can't have it. You mentioned, uh, you know, an office space. If you need an office space, that's an expense that you have to have as you decide what your, you know, what the furniture layout is and what different pieces are in there, that could be an investment if you can actually connect it with, I'm going to get something out of it. But Mm -hmm. if you can't logically go through without just being overly optimistic and say, by doing this, this is the outcome I expect, it's an expense. And that's fine, but we want to keep expenses as low as possible because they're not positively impacting your business. From an investment perspective, you are expecting to get more out in a reasonable amount of time than you put in. Mm -hmm. A positive return on investment. And so if you're thinking about an advertising or a marketing thing, um, I have tried personally, I've tried a lot of different ways to market or advertise, and I go all of them uh, into them with minimal investment up front to see if it works mm-hmm. rather than committing to, well, if you commit for a year, you're going to save you know, 20%. That's great. But what if it doesn't work after a month and I want to quit? <laughs> That's like if everything goes perfectly. Exactly. It'd be wonderful, right? And so- um, Try a lot of different things. If you don't know what's going to work, try a lot of different things with minimal investment mm-hmm. because one of them should work. If you've, tr- if you've thought through and you've tried enough, yeah. um, then you will get a, in a total, uh, you know, a positive return, but that positive return should mean you're getting, you know, more revenue. You're able to actually get something there's um, as you're thinking through expenses, investment, all that. Uh, and I was going to save this to the end, but I think every, Every business owner who is not doesn't want to get stuck in the weeds of the money side should check out a book um, called Profit First. I was going to ask about that one. Yeah, and so Do I think like Profit it? First is is a great high level concept. Mm-hmm. When you get to the application, you know nothing's perfect, and it might not work for you individually. But I've got a lot of business owner clients that I work with, and we actually talk through if they're not in the weeds on money and don't really like it. We actually talked through the profit first model, which is basically you're in the business to make money. That's part of what you're in the business for. And so um, paying yourself first, just like you want to save when you get, uh, if you've got a W2 job, um, you know, you want to save when you get paid profit first is the same way. Pay yourself first and make the rest of the money kind of work and have, and profit first is a great way to just give you kind of benchmarks of you should spend certain percentage on uh, expenses versus profit and owner's comp and all those different pieces Mm -hmm. that helps a lot of people. As we kind of talk through, when do you hire? Well, what do the numbers say? You can only, you only should spend 35% for your business on operating expenses. And if you hire that person, you're going to be over the number. So you're not ready probably mm-hmm. can't do it unless they're going to bring more revenue. So it just helps. I think it's a good thing. Again, nothing's perfect, but um, I really like that book for a lot of my uh, more creative and, and service entrepreneurs that are not in it just to make money. <laughs> they're in mm-hmm. it to serve people. Um, it's a good way to have a nice foundation. I've, I was, uh, I've seen that a lot in some of the, the private practice and other groups for therapists. And I think the question does come up where it's, you know, again, people are weird about talking about money, but I have seen some different polls where it's how much, 
how much money are you making from your private practice? But then sometimes people are like, gross, or is that how much you're paying yourself? And so right. I know that that gets a little bit messy. And so, so that book walks through, how do you know when to pay yourself, how much to pay yourself, all of yes. those types of things. Yeah. And again, it's a very high level, but it, it mm -hmm. at least gives you something you can be actionable on. There is an important concept, whether it's in the book or, or outside, there's a difference between what you're paid, you know, if we're talking about a therapist, what you're paid as a therapist, if someone were to hire you versus the business owner, those are two different numbers. Yeah. And those, those really should be two different pays, payments that you get. What would it cost to replace you to work in your business is not the same as what do I as the business owner make? Mm -hmm. And so you really, it's the profit idea is you are a business owner. Therefore, you make money even if you never worked a day in your business. That's mm -hmm. what it, your business should be set up that way. Yeah. Um, if the only way the numbers work is by not paying yourself a reasonable salary, you don't have a profitable business, even if you're making money. Um, and so that kind of helps with the concept of just understanding the difference between working in the business and working on the business. Yeah, that's a concept that's thrown out a lot. And I think that a lot of the people that say it don't really know what it means. Because I'm like, what do you actually mean by that? <laughs> or they're right. like, I, what people say a lot of times is you have to have a CEO mindset and um, you have the vision and you are, you, you're just, yeah, that's, that's your job is to have the vision and you let other people run the business. And that sounds great, but what does that mean? Am I sitting on my couch having visions? Like what, what does that mean in practice? And I don't think that a lot of people who give that advice know what they're talking about. <laughs> no, a lot of people do. I, um, you know, I'm, right. I, I'm interviewing someone who knows what that means. I've interviewed some other people who know what that means. And that's why I'm right. Talking. Yeah, let's just quickly go through that. So let me take it for my business, right? That's that's easy. So I am, uh, I've got three people that work with me and they help support on the clients. I am the only lead advisor. So I meet with all of our clients, mm -hmm. but at some point it's possible that I would hire an advisor who's experienced, that's really good meeting with clients to take my place doing mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And so my salary from that piece would go away. That would be the in the business side. The working on the business, I still could be, you know, leading, saying, here's where we're going to go, helping make hiring decisions, helping put procedures in place. How do we actually deliver this to clients? I could be still working on that, even if I never meet with another client again, that would be more as the business owner side. Um, yeah. That, those are two different. Yeah. yeah. So those are two different pieces, the doing the function. And so I could think of therapist. You could be, you know, you could actually hire more therapists and never meet with another yep. mm -hmm. client again. But that you still have a role as a business owner and you still should get paid for that. And that's the profit piece um, that comes out of you took the risk. You should get rewarded for it. Yeah. Well, and I could see that, you know, your role could be more training, supervising the therapist, mm -hmm. having you know, networking and building relationships with people in your community, making, you know, negotiating contracts for your therapists if they're in right. the schools or, you know, other things. So you're still doing stuff, but um, have you ever heard of the book? The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. I've never read it. But, I've heard of it, but I've never read yeah, it. Yeah. So I just think that title is great. Um, it is very high level. And, but I do like how there's a couple things that where he's like, if you literally have a business and you can go on vacation for six months and never touch it, like 
he's like, that is completely unrealistic and just a backwards way of thinking. And then also he was saying that um, how people are, oh, invest in your business, do this. And he's like, no, don't just haphazardly increase your overhead because you're, quote, investing in your business, you know, right. like don't. So again, it was kind of high level stuff where, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't have some specific tangible strategies, it might be hard to apply, but I appreciated the calling out of some of the advice that's thrown out there without, without very specific advice behind it or specific strategies behind it. So for sure. Yeah. Well, um, so we, I know we've talked about a lot of different mindset things. Are there, are there any other things or, you know, parting wisdom that you can share for either, you know, preparing, preparing young people that we're working with or thinking about your own career, just any kind of ways of thinking about money mm -hmm. and, and finance that you would want to leave people with that we haven't already discussed? Yeah. So we touched on it a little bit. It will sound a little self-serving. So I admit that, but uh, I think there is value in working with a third party, um, mm -hmm. at least, at least to have the conversation. You don't need to hire somebody that's going to work with you for 50 years, but having somebody that you can um, meet with, whether that's on the business side, um, someone who, who is not just a bookkeeper, but is actually providing advice, you know, as mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a virtual CFO or something of that nature. I think that's valuable. If you find the right person, same on the personal side. Um, there's a lot of advisors that do projects and and do things. Just you know, come in and meet with me for an hour, and I'll at least put you on the right path. You can read all the books that you want about personal finance or business finance, whatever else. But your life is personal, and the way that you approach it may be different and doesn't just quite fit and having the right kind of expert to lean on, I think is really valuable. Um, the other thing that's just kind of a resource thing goes back to when we talked about kids. Uh, so I'm a part of a, an organization called the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, NAPFA, long, nice mm -hmm. long word, but um, it's the largest organization of fee only, so no commission advisors. And um, there's a foundation that actually they just launched um, and I've got a friend who was a big part of this, a college affordability project. And so it's a free resource if you're thinking about college and, and paying for college, uh, College Aid, Aid, Aid Pro, uh, they connected with and through the Napa Foundation, you can get a, a nice report on, okay, here's what you qualify for, for um, you know, student, whether student loans or um grants, things of that nature that just, it's a free resource to kind of help plan for college. I think it's a great resource uh, that's out there, but um, you know, just overall from concepts, understanding, giving yourself the grace that you're going to make mistakes and mm -hmm. uh, understanding as you kind of go through all, as you live your life, you're not going to ever follow the spreadsheet exactly. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, where can people go to connect with you and learn more about, you know, how they could work with you if they're interested? Yeah, the uh, kind of two ways. So we do have a, uh, a free, another free resource um, at dollarsandkids.com. Just you can download and, and learn um, just simple things you can do to talk to kids about money at different ages. And then you can find us at illuminatewm.com mm -hmm. uh, and easy way to get in touch with me on there. And it's, it's free to talk. Yeah. 
Good, good. And then I know I noticed you're also on LinkedIn as well. Is that a good yes. place there? On LinkedIn and um, I've been on a few different podcasts and you can find everything. Our, our website's probably the best place just because okay. there's blogs and there's mm-hmm. um, you can get to social media from there as well. So LinkedIn, uh, just Ben Hakama. I don't think there's another one out there. Okay. So. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, we covered a lot. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check the show notes for all the places you can go to connect with Ben. And also be sure to listen to episode 145 of the DeFacto Leaders podcast, where you can listen to my conversation with Ben about how to help kids develop financial literacy. If you want to learn more about the School of Clinical Leadership, my program that helps related service providers support students' executive functioning, but also gives them the tools that they need to be leaders on their team and helps them to plan strategically for long-term initiatives, which can be extremely helpful, not just in supporting students' executive functioning, but also in long-term planning for starting a business, doing your dissertation, or other initiatives that are related to leadership and advocacy. To check out the program, you can go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. If you have a suggestion for a guest or if you would like to be a guest on the show, please send me an email at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. If you are enjoying these episodes of De Facto Leaders, be sure to leave me a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. 
Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.